everyone. My name is Diane Ivy. I am the owner of Lady Di Yarns, and I am the founder of the Rebel with a Cause 2020 project. And I have in the podcast studio, Ife Franklin. How are you? <laughs> I'm so happy that you are here. So um, for, I know Ife, but I know many of you do not. But um, during this next hour, or so, um, you're going to get to lo- know a lot about her. So Ife Franklin has worked as a professional artist and community activist for over 30 years, uh, born and raised in Washington, D.C. Um, Ife began her art education in high school, focusing on the black and white and black and white in photography, production, ceramics, and the art of Africa, where she met her mentor, Master Idire artist, Mr. Stanley uh, Pickney. Ife owns and operates Ife Arts Incorporated, which uh, produces sculpture installations, sculptures, installations, drawings, collages, photography, as well as fiber art. She's an incredible fiber artist and everything. She's incredible everything. Um, Ife's new book, The Slave Narrative of Willie May, was released in the spring of 2018 and has since been donated and received by the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. Ife believes it is her destiny to create and use her voice to convey her passion for the arts and her love of freedom, peace, and justice. Did I leave anything out? I don't think so. That's fantastic. You've been doing... It's kind of weird to hear your stats read back to you. Um, thank you. You do the work. You've done thank the work you. and you continue to do thank the work. Thank you so much. Right? I really, really appreciate it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's, it's, I've, I've been in Boston since like 20, 20 2004 and I, and I met you through the Elliott School yes, in Jamaica Plain. That's how we met. Yeah. And when we had the, when we had, those are the JP Open Studios and we had, and we hung out upstairs the whole time. I was like, this woman, she's just brilliant. She's brilliant. <laughs> The Elliott School does incredible work and mm-hmm. programming, yes. and Abigail Norman, she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. I think she's, you know, her vision, mm-hmm. she gets a lot of artists of color yes. to teach yes. at the Elliott School. And, the and to of, work. Yes. The history of the Elliott School is very interesting. Uh, wasn't it a school for Native American it was, people or enslaved people? I think it was a, both. It the was Native, both. I think it was Native. Yes. And, 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 and when you think about it, it's like, it's, in a way you're like, oh, that's nice. But it was like, oh, look how they're trying to assimilate, take, the, I, you know, just kind of strip their your, their culture in yeah, a way. They, I, they were here to educate them. And yeah, but I think this is where Abigail is really great because yeah. she always says this. I don't know if the rest of the people, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, in the organization, mm-hmm. you know, when they're mm-hmm. explaining the school, mm-hmm. give that bit of information. Yeah. But that bit of information is extremely important, and that's the reason that the school is there. Exactly. It's 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 really old. It's old, what, how old is it? Just really old. Uh, it's a big yellow schoolhouse. A big yellow schoolhouse. And I mean, if it was there during the It's like the time 300, 400, yeah, yeah, 400 years it's, old. It's old. And the fact that we are still able to, to w- teach it. and walk through and that. to go through there. Actually, there should be some kind of ancestor reverence or some kind of ritual. You need to talk to Abigail. So listen, I, I one of the projects that you have done was the Indigo Project. Mm-hmm. Could you tell the audience like what what was the Indi- what is the indigo project the indigo ife franklin's indigo project mm-hmm. is everything that i've ever done and everything that i ever will do i didn't know that before the project became mm-hmm. a project mm-hmm. 
because you know I'm out here being an artist and you know you're trying to connect the dots Ife Franklin's Indigo Project came about uh, an artist that I know Tukwase Dyson who is a environmental artist I would say if I had to put a label on it <laughs> um, visited my studio once after an exhibition that I had and asked me to cover my studio with, she, she asked me if I could do one thing what would I focus on since I do so many things mm -hmm. disciplinary and I said the fiber would be it so she said okay I want to challenge you I want you to cover the walls and I was thinking uh huh and then I was like nah I'm not going to do that because I'd have to like take everything yeah. off the walls but then I went to sleep that night I had a dream and the ancestors came into my dream and told me the name of the project you know, what it would look like, how I should use the fibers to cover something, yes, mm -hmm. but not the inside of my studio, but to cover a cabin, mm -hmm. to create life-size replicas of slave mm -hmm. cabins mm. to honor the lives of the enslaved. And at first, I was, because I, I, I'm a fiber artist, well, I do so many things, but because I work with indigo and cotton, mm -hmm. If I essentially wanted to uh, focus on uh, enslaved people who picked indigo and cotton. And then I said, I can't do that because the enslavement of my ancestors, you know, it was across every agricultural field. Um, we built this nation. We, we, we did everything. So my project is not just funneled or just focused on indigo and cotton. It's focused on all the ancestors, everything they did how they lived and I my project is really about love and healing mm -hmm. ultimately that's what it's about mm -hmm. love healing education culture mm -hmm. and you know black love and joy you know mm -hmm. um, I want to give my ancestors something they never had a home of their own I want to build a cabin I want an ancestor slave cabin in every 50 states in every state and outside of the country that had our people enslaved. So it, what was the project? Like, uh, uh, what, what was the, what material did you use to build the, the, the cabin? Wood. Wood. Mm. Uh, the very first cabin, the wood was donated. A lot of the wood was donated. Mm -hmm. um, so we, you, I get community members together mm -hmm. and I say, this is what we're going to do. Do you want to help? This is what this is. This is what it's for. This is what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Everyone needs to pay homage to Africans and African Americans. It's it important. We know United States of America as we know it without that skilled, unpaid labor. Mm -hmm. Now, when people went to Africa to extract us, mm -hmm. to steal us, people want to say, oh, you know, the black people, they're lazy. They don't know nothing. They're stupid. Da, da, da. No, they went in and took metalsmiths. They went in and took people who already knew how to plant rice mm -hmm. and cotton. They went in and took whole communities mm -hmm. out that were skilled labor. I ended up watching the Roots, the up-to-date Roots. I saw the oh, I original Roots. The, I haven't seen the new version. It was, it's, 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 it's still similar, still this kind of same thing. The actors, it was phenomenal oh, in a way. Okay. Very, okay. Empower, very powerful. Um, but you, your Indigo Project, you also dyed the, like, the cloth around okay. it. So I, 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 part of the project is this. You come in, you do this, because I don't have, I haven't had money to pay people mm -hmm. to come in and help me. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I teach them how, I teach them how to make a DNA and I mm -hmm. teach them for free. And then you can take this 
dyeing these dyeing mm-hmm. techniques mm-hmm. and then you can create your store you can start mm-hmm. making quilts you can do whatever you want you can teach in a camp you can mm-hmm. do whatever you like to do but that's the exchange i teach you a day you help to to um, build cover it. the boards you help to paint you help to mm-hmm. build the cabin mm-hmm. um i have seen it it's brilliant it's been in the museums well, the first cabin was purchased by the Fitchburg Museum. Yes. So yes. the first cabin was purchased by Fitchburg Museum. The second cabin was in Franklin Park. Yes. The third cabin was in uh, North Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And the fourth cabin was also in Franklin Park. That's when we had the huge cabin yeah. with the porch and we did a ring shout. A community ring shout where like I mean like two hundred it was like it was amazing people. yeah I I just asked people to come and wear white and we were doing ancestor reverence and people came mm-hmm. it was incredible it was, I also want to say that project yeah. was funded by NEPA the New England Foundation for the Arts oh yes we we're, we're lucky in where we live and I feel like Boston and the Massachusetts as far as like the number of foundations and art places art institutions that have funded art projects for people. Or am I completely wrong? No, you are right. I mean, we have like a lot. I mean, I used to work for the Boston Foundation and we gave out tons of stuff. There, you know, I've seen things change. I've been here a long time. Um, I received my first grant in Massachusetts Mm. from NIFA. Yeah. Um, And I've been applying for grants for years here in Mm -hmm. Boston. But I really believed not now necessarily, mm. but even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. if you were talking about blackness in your work in a particular kind of way, you didn't get funded. Mm-hmm. Or at least I didn't. Yeah. I won't say that for everybody. I'm sure there are people mm-hmm. who could dispute that. I'm specifically talking about slavery. Mm-hmm. And I just kept getting turned down. When I applied to NIFA mm-hmm. and I got funded... When I went in, and you know, they had place cards from other people who have mm-hmm. had, who've been a part of their cohorts. Mm-hmm. I saw at least five people that I knew. And and the face of the people in NIFA were a lot of women mm-hmm. and a lot of women of color. And I have said this to them, and I'll say it again. NIFA funds people of color. Mm-hmm. They wanted to, I, they wanted me to do a project of some sort years ago, and um, it we realized that it wasn't like matched up with like what I was doing and whatever. But um, I do follow them, and I said if I ever, you know, with my Rebel with a Cause project, I was like I should reach out to them and get a grant. Um, they're amazing because they have different branches of. They do, they and do. then where they're located is great. They, the, the staff is diverse, wonderful. I just think they're fantastic. Exactly. The, 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 I was there for a cohort meeting last Saturday. Mm. They began by blessing the land. Mm. They began by acknowledging that we were on mm-hmm. Wampanoag land and native yeah. land. Where do you go where people do that? I know. Where they start? I know. That, you know, those are the people I it's, want to work with. And you said something very important about people not wanting to give grants or talk, like slavery, right? It is the the, the time, the air, like it is the air, a subject that it's it shameful and the, uh, the, right and, and yeah and no and, and for decades centuries nobody wanted to talk about it mm-hmm. because of the shame mm-hmm. and the reality is is that the the oppression that the, the slavery it didn't end just with the emancipation proclamation it continued with jim crow it continued yes. sharecropping it yes. continued with sec- yes. uh the civil rights come. movement it continued with 
Now with Trump, it's, it's the, the same, same system. system. Exactly. That's always been in place. It just has a different face, and people don't have hoods on. They have on suits. Mm-hmm. It's the same. Exactly. System. Exactly. And I, so I, so I'm going to go back to the roots. So mm-hmm. I, um, there's so much, I always say there's so much good TV on. There's so many shows, and I don't have cable, so I stream everything. And I'm, uh. You're better than me. I don't have TV, and I don't know how to stream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, so I, I've subscribed to like the PBS masterpiece PBS. Mm-hmm. So I started watching the show Jamestown and it was like, it's, you know, this British uh, series and they're talking about the first settlers that came to the Americas and, and they had the first slaves. They, they talk about it. They talk about the, the, the indigenous people that were here on the land. How they massacred them. And exactly. They and it was, it's, it's a very, them too. and so when I was watching and I was like, oh gosh, they're just gonna, they're just gonna whitewash this. No, they kept it real. Like the Good. like they kept it real. Good. And then I was like, you know what? I haven't seen the up to date roots. And so I'm watching the more the one that came out in in, in 2016 mm-hmm. with Ti was in there. Okay. And I and I, he played the him. role well. I was like, Who he this he, play? he played he Chicken George. No, oh, he was Chicken George. No, 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 no. He was Chicken George's com- friend companion. Okay. Um, after uh, Chicken George came back from 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 London. Okay. And okay. Uh, they were, you know, Chicken George came back and his and Tilda was there and, and, and they reunited. And then they had the law that if a free slave was in the state for more than 90 days, we can, you can re-enslave, we, so re-enslave him. him. And so he was leaving. So and so to fight for, for, um, and, and f- fight for um, the Union Army. And so T.I. comes in and, and was like his his friend mm-hmm. in, that, in that journey. So um, w- one of the things that they don't really talk about, well, one of the things in that movie that I, I don't that kind of is like not real when they think about like a slave cabin it, was, it wasn't just like four people in a small cabin it was like 20 plus slaves in a cabin and it all depends on the makeup of the plantation okay I've, I've visited some plantations so some some did some have four some... like long houses oh okay I see what you're there saying would be 30 people mm-hmm. sleeping in there at once mm-hmm. um if it were a smaller place, mm-hmm. then there would be some maybe individual cabins. Mm-hmm. If I mean, and then there's all this other kind of craziness. Like if one of the enslaved people was a driver, mm-hmm. he may or she may have a little shack of their own. You see, because you got because you're driving, you're being a, an overseer basically, mm-hmm. and you might have to whip put the whip on somebody. You know, mm-hmm. you get a little extra. You mm-hmm. get a little extra fat. Back. And there was a, and there you was a, a little extra something. You know, clothing or whatever. And you, you know, there was a hierarchy within the slave system. If you were living in, if you're working in the house, you had, they, they gave you like extra set of clothes. You Maybe, probably, but, or, but there still wasn't like. I mean, like one of the passages from my books mm-hmm. that says, um, live, uh, working in the big house ain't no dream. No. The missus of watching you always ringing that little bell. Yeah. Willie made this. Willie made that. Give me this. Give me that. And then my character says at the end, I want to break she hands from ringing that bell. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you worked in the... if Did you watch Underground? Okay. How yeah. about that series? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so you could see how the lives yeah. of the people inside wasn't all that. No. It wasn't... It was different. But again, these hierarchical systems were set up so that we could um, annihilate each other. Basically. And I want to talk about that. That's the next part I'm talking about. So, like, 
we think about also the patrolling, like police officers and stuff. That's been around since slavery. When, 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 with, with, like, like every the, the the things that we see now with policing, yeah, with every the hierarchy, like the poor, like Tim Wise talks about it, but we've been talking about it longer than Tim Wise. I always tell people, okay, I'm like Tim Wise ain't my savior, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like I said, Tim Wise talks he's about the, it he's too. A, he's the savior for the white people. Exactly, but I said, but we've been exactly, and I said, but we've been talking about this for a very long time. We've been when it. you know, poor white people during slavery, you know, they were also like that's the thing with Jamestown. They showed the, they showed slaves working alongside poor white people who were also they weren't slaves but they owed a debt to the farm. Well, and then the once first, they started bring, when the I'm sorry when the first Africans came, they were indentured you know a lot, indentured servitude. Okay? Yes. So you had the the Irish. Yeah. And you had the Africans mm-hmm. working side by side in the field. Now here you go. Mm-hmm. They, the Africans and the Irish realized, yo, we're both in this situation together. We should exactly. Together. Now, when the higher ups see that, they're going to separate these people exactly and give the white ones more privilege. Mm-hmm. They make take them out of the fields, make them the overseer, mm-hmm. and you're behind. Yeah, your best friend now is saying, pick that cotton. Mm-hmm. The way the um, the other person was saying it to the both of you. Exactly. So this sets up that big divide right there. People and it's about money. Doing. It's about social it's about economic, money. It's about, about power. power. It's about, if you, if, if they gave these people more power than the enslaved black people, who is their loyalties going to be with? With Massa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Because that's where I'm getting my bennies from. Yes. I'm not getting any benefits from you. I might get some, you know, I might get some, you know, if I'm into S&M or whatever, I can get some of those benefits. Yeah. And I'm beating you up and- I mean, and I yeah. think about these kinds of things. Like, yeah. What if you had an owner who was schizophrenic? What if you had an owner who was a pedophile? What if, you know, like... It was about, real. It was real, though. that we deal with now. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there was no one to keep these people off you. Yeah. If you had an uncle or an auntie or somebody who was a... Uh, what do they call it now when you oversex? Like, a, you know, they have a term for it when you like to have a lot of sex, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um... That's it. That's your destiny. Yeah. If you're slave owner, check it out. Jamestown, that's Virginia, yes? Yeah. Ja- Virginia was a, a... They stopped producing crops and they had breeding farms. That's where Virginia... Yeah. Tobacco and breeding farms where they just had... They would lock you into a pen. Yeah. With some yeah. man. And then, then they would do things like put a bag over your face and over the face of the person who was impregnating you because that could be your brother, that could be your son, that could be your uncle. Like, you don't know because all they wanted you to do was... And that is... There's two things we're going to talk about. Two things, two things. I got two things. No, 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 it's not. But it's two things. That, that... Hold that. But I want to go back to the hierarchy and what I see today. Okay. Um, And this is where I always, like, you know, your wisdom and knowledge, right? I think about the different races that are in this country right now. And um, one of the challenges that I've always felt within the black community was that when, and what I see that's happening in the crafting industry, Mm -hmm. is that we know that there are opportunities for us and we want a seat at the table. You know, Shirley Chisholm said, if there's no seat, bring your own chair. I'll bring my own chair. I'll bring my own table. I will have a lift ride to be at the table, to be in the decision table, right? <clears throat> and yeah, and so you know, I think about that in the sense that when we are 
presented with opportunities, small opportunities. We will pit each other against each other because we think that that's the only opportunity and we don't work together to make sure there's plenty of opportunity for everyone. And it's, to me, it's all part of the system and, and, and the hierarchy and who has power. So now we're in this crafting industry and people of color, BIPOCs, are now getting access to speak at shows, mm-hmm. to be in publications, mm-hmm. to dye more yarn for yarn shops. And we see other people of color having success, but we're like, you know what? There are not that many opportunities for us right now. So I'm gonna hold on to what's mine. And I'm not gonna help promote this person of color. Or I'm not going to, you know, you start to see the like, pettiness or like how women push each other down right or just people or just people but we also but we do but women tend to like you know i think about women women's rights and things like that we collectively as a whole have to work together it's not like if you if if, you know i i I tell uh some of my my friends if you want equal pay that means you have to discuss the fact that women black women get paid only what seventy uh sixty seven cents to a dollar for a white man, and that Latina women only get paid fifty four. Like you have to be able to talk about that and bring we it, it, you, we are all in it together. It's not, if you want equal. Well, you have to believe this. First of all, you have to believe that you're all in it together. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. Like, if you don't believe there's oppression, mm-hmm. you can't even have that conversation. Exactly. If you can't if you think that I'm whining because Mm -hmm. I'm saying, whoa, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. Whoa, how come all these people that happen to be Mm -hmm. white are getting all of this? Mm -hmm. If you think that, if you get nervous because you see me on Ravelry, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I I, I work with someone who's Mm -hmm. a knitter, Mm -hmm. who's an incredible knitter. I didn't know anything about Ravelry. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I saw either on Instagram or something like there was some huge fight or something. The Ravelry decided they weren't going to put any more pro-Trump stuff on their site. They took it down and people were saying, I stand with Ravelry. I got a, I got a unmarked letter in the mail. (laughs) I mean, you know, people are very serious about their white supremacy. Yeah. And people are very serious about some spaces. Look, there are some spaces and places I just want for black people. Because we need that. And, you know, maybe white people feel like that. Then they should make something that says, you know... Well, they have. But I I, I guess going back to the thing, though, is that I just feel that we as black people or people of color as a whole, you know, like, whatever. I just feel like that whole crabs in the barrel thing. Everything, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. a lot of what we do is automatic you know like trained we're kind of mm-hmm. trained and there are a lot of things that black people that we have to know how to do in order to survive trained how do we, we code switch all the time every day all the time mm-hmm. Lang- body language facial features everything all of this harkens back to the times of everything about this country was built everything about this country everything that we respond to and how we respond how we live how we take a breath is about enslavement and until we heal that and that's what Ife Franklin's Indigo Project is about too it's about healing we need to heal we need to heal in different spaces than white people Yes. sometimes we need to heal in the same spaces we have a different type of healing that needs to happen than white people white people need to heal from the effects of slavery look how crazy they act 
You think they're not out of alignment? They are. And they don't even realize it because they're so out of alignment. Being be, racism yeah. is out of alignment yeah. with humanity. Yeah. That's a yes. t-shirt right there, girl. Make that into a t-shirt. Racism is out of alignment with true humanity. Yes. Okay? And people are comfortable in that place because they're benefiting from it. Yes. Listen, if the tables were turned and I was, we were benefiting from all that, you know we would have a hard time giving that shit up. Exactly. They have a hard time giving it up. They have a hard time saying that they that it even exists. They don't even want to be bothered. And even the, quote, good white people. Yeah. Allyship, but it's changed to allyship. Sure, It's okay. changed to, you okay. know, performative allyship and then allyship and well, being woke, you know. need constant, need the pot stirred constantly. Mm-hmm. Just like we need the pot stirred constantly around our healing, so do they. I don't have an Alka-Seltzer tab for that. <laughs> I don't have, you know, the magic bullet for that. Mm-hmm. I just know it needs to happen. And at this point in my life, I don't know how invested I am mm. in, you know, you you have to want to help yourself. Mm-hmm. And you have to not come to me to try to give you all the answers. Because this is my thing. Mammy University, <laughs> the symbol school of, uh, <laughs> of uh, uh, higher education, the step and fetch at university, it's closed. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Mammy is putting... The titty back in. Yeah. And I'm not feeding you anymore. Okay. I have a friend, a very good friend that I love dearly. Mm-hmm. I've known her since high school. Mm-hmm. She's white. And we had an exchange on Facebook. Okay. We had an exchange because she just didn't understand something. And, you know, I just, I didn't swear, but I just lost it. I said, You're 60 years old. I've known you all this time. And you are still in this place. Like, you are an ally, you're doing this work, but listen to how you're talking. Look at what you're saying. Like, I can't talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm done explaining mm-hmm. things to you. I'm not teaching you one more thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not having one more conversation about this. Go figure it out. Mm-hmm. And that is actually, I'm glad you said that because in the craftsy community, a lot of people are like, I'm, you know, BIPOCs are continuing to do the work. I have to explain whatever. And a lot, there Stop are some, and then a lot of white is, women. Stop explaining yeah. and keep doing your work. Yeah. Do not, because that is a sidestep from your work. Yeah. That, those conversations will have you so. Worked up. You get so worked up and stressed and you get triggers and traumas. and Triggers and traumas because of the trauma that has been placed on us mm-hmm. that has never been dealt with. Mm-mm. Okay. Never. Mm-mm. When 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 our people were emancipated, nobody took us to therapy. Nobody de- dealt with our PTSD. We're we're out there looking for our family members, trying to find a place mm-hmm. to live, trying not to be arrested because we're vagrant. We didn't have a place to go. Mm-hmm. We, we, we want to go back to masses and be sharecroppers. Uh, no shame in that. Mm-hmm. No shame. My, my family. I'm, yeah, I'm we. From yeah. Proper family. Um. No shame in that. Yeah. If that's all you have. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of them, and a lot of, a lot of enslaved, free slaves went back, were in sharecropping. They went, and and they just didn't, that's what they did. So like, I, I do believe the crab barrel syndrome does happen often in our community. And the way that you explain, exactly, exactly. We really, really are. And that that is the slavery. Absolutely. That all of the stuff. And, 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 um, I, 
every year during Black History Month or whenever I come across and I try to tell, I, I, and like educating, I'm done educating, I'm only one do. Like doing the work, I said, I want to change the institutionalized structure that exists. I am not here to sit down with you necessarily to talk about your white privilege. I'm here to, t- I, I have I'm going, anybody you know, I said, I said, I said to someone, I said, I'm doing the Rebel with a Cost 2020 project because I know that millions of women made white women make these pussy hats in two months. And I know that I want to have a conversation with you about the importance anyone, whether you're black, white, importance of voting. Because there are like 49% of people didn't vote. A lot of people of color did not vote. And the importance like of voting, but also talking about voter suppression, talking about like the issues that are happening in this country, not talking about how you can be better, like a white allyship. I'm not here for that. Like I'm here to talk about the issues that we have. But one of the things that I, when I, when I, think about slavery when I see a poster and I always tell friends that we were not black people slaves were not treated as human I said we if you look how we were auctioned off we were I said no this was not someone was like it was just like the holocaust I was like they needed us like they weren't trying to kill us they were trying to breed us they treated us like pigs you know, they they were like one wench, a little piccaninny for sale, like six hundred. We were expensive property. These corporations had insurance on people. They ripped families apart be- as if we were just pigs or animals going from one place to another, and not the human value that a mother just got separated from their child, you know, or their husbands, and they never saw them again. And I said the language that was used. So you understand like these the the, the this and and they were passed and these and slaves were passed down in in wills and and you know like my thing is we don't understand like we have not grasped we need to we the hall the jewish holocaust is very significant yes so was the african holocaust the african holocaust so would you consider it the african holocaust i mean not like that but yeah okay that's what i call it that's Mm -hmm. what it was Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not going to play the oppression Olympics, mm-hmm. the Holocaust for Africans, the Holocaust for Jews, mm-hmm. the Holocaust for uh, Ugandans, the Holocaust, you know, for those situations happen because of greed, because of hatred mm-hmm. of another group of people over another group of people. Yeah. Okay. And what's really deep about it is even the racism around that because you know Jewish people get reparations every every month from the United States government to Israel you know like they're getting their reparations Japanese Americans in internment camps got reparations yes they did the only people who have and have not received reparations are first Native Americans indigenous people yeah and Africans I'm 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 starting to have this conversation where we can't even I don't want to have a conversation about reparations if we're not also including indigenous Native Americans. Yeah. Re- the reality of this country too, too, right? I said there were these were immigrants who came to this country who didn't speak the language, who didn't understand a culture, who were here because they th- th- their country didn't want them. They took people from prison in Europe, brought them here on a boat. They came here, they were, because of being religiously persecuted to a place that they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And they saw vast land. They, the, the people that lived there were like, who the hell are you? Mm-hmm. 
Why are you here? You lied and said you only wanted just a, a little bit of property for a little bit. And uh, you, they helped you, you learn. We, we helped you. We helped the whole time we were helping you. You were plotting to kill us. Exactly. The indigenous people. And then as more as indigenous people started seeing more ships come, more goods come, they were like, what? Is going on? Identification. Exa- that what? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and we won't. And, and we need to face the history. So when, when And you know, even when you talk about the people coming here who were criminals and this, that, and the third, right? That's huh? true. Yeah. So that makes me understand why this system is so criminal. Yeah. Because the criminals created it. Yeah. They came. They brought their vision. They brought everything they knew mm-hmm. from England. That's where they came from mm-hmm. first, right? Yeah. Okay, so everything they learned, they learned from the king. I mean, well, yeah, and well, the they Dutch learned. came here, the French in different territories. Sure, but the first people, first people, came yes, yes, were yeah, yeah, the English, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the Europeans had their ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. They were interchanging and fighting with each other, and this absolutely. And so they had their systems of government in place. A lot of them learned their systems of government from Africa when the Greeks went over there. Okay, so you know, like we can, we can like go way. Yes, back. yes. Okay, because when we had civilizations, they were in caves. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. When they came out of the caves and they saw what we had, they were like, oh, oh, maybe we need to go over there to learn. So they go, they learn, they steal everything from us, they come back, they go back, then they come to conquer us, they, 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 they take all the noses off of the sphinx because they look like African people because mm-hmm. they don't, they're trying to erase you. Okay? Mm-hmm. So this is the very first attempts of gentrification of erasure of all of it let's take everything they have mm-hmm. because they don't need it mm-hmm. it should just be ours like any and I mean, see this still today I just think you know in the dna of the people like is there something genetically you know going on that you can't you can't access your humanity mm-hmm. you can't access your heart you can't see another person in front of you mm-hmm. you know when people were whipping us down at the whipping post they saw our blood they mm-hmm. bleed we people now the thing about the voting i want to go back to that because i have mixed feelings about that mm-hmm. like people you know I, I i'm very big on ancestor reverence i love my ancestors and i mm-hmm. and i respect and it's everyone's right to be able to vote and to move around quote the cabin freely okay yeah um and, and I feel like my ancestors died so that I could have a choice. Okay? Okay. And if I choose not to vote, it's for a good reason. Now, the Electoral College. Yes. Okay, I just found out some information this week, maybe two days ago, that the Electoral College was instated because white Southerners... Mm-hmm. Because black people outnumbered white mm-hmm. people in the South. So that's when they put in the three-fifths law to say that we were three-fifths human so they could they could count us on the census so that we could be, you know, they could count us as people, but they didn't treat us like people. Exactly. So here again, they're using us. So the Electoral College was put in place during slavery. So why are we still using that system? That system, mm-hmm. Electoral College... You know, it's it, it's corrupt, mm-hmm. and we can see it now. Yes, and we that, we see I mean, it now. The thing is, you can go vote, okay? Yeah. But your do your votes really count? Because when the electoral college kicks in, your whole vote, your whole you, it could be a million people voting, but if the electoral if you don't have those, 
it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So it's it's like sort of like the hamster, like just you know, because they always say the Democratic Party has in the last several elections have won the popular vote, but can't with the electoral. But you know what I'm saying? It's 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 because they always have a card. Yeah. To say, okay, now we have this, so we got to change it. And who are they? The white men who run this country. They realize that the country is becoming blacker and browner, and like it's the world has always been blacker and browner. Okay. Yes. yes. So, so, has always been more. Look, what did I just say? There were more black mm-hmm. people in the South than there were white people during the time mm-hmm. of enslavement. Mm-hmm. That's why they put an institutional. So, what do you think? What, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think? What is like? We're thinking with right now. Well, not just with the election. Given that we, well, yes, but like, do you know Charles Blow? Do you know Charles Blow? He's he's what he's a columnist for the New York Times. He he was he he's a he's African American gentleman. He wrote a book. He I, I I I I love what he has to say. He he talks about slavery and and the history of it. Just great guy. Mm-hmm. And he has a friend who's white who, remember he said he called him up and said you know he was looking at his ancestors like wills and stuff and he it's white friend inherited his ancestors inherited people mm-hmm. slaves stuff mm-hmm. and he talked about you know his life and whatnot. But he was on the Bill Maher show years ago, look up last year, and I pinned it to my Twitter account because it was something about the Republican Party. And I think that, like, I sometimes I don't even know where America is. But what I do know about the two-party system and thinking about the Republicans, he That's was like, too, yeah, right? Only two parties, exactly. Right? Now we're just kind of like rethinking the Constitution in some aspects. And he said, you know what? You know, uh, Steve Smith was on, and they're like, I don't know where these people came from, like Trump people. And Charles was like, they were always in your party. They were always here. He was like, he was, what happened was that you, because every election, you did dog whistle uh, politics. You, you, you talked about the welfare queen. You talked about, you know, uh, super predators. And you, you, you baited these people for, for, for decades and for centuries in your party. Mm-hmm. And what Donald Trump did, and I have all the words, but it's pinned to my Twitter account. He was like, he unleashed your monster. He just played to what was He knew, there. I said, I said, Trump has always been the greatest Those con man I've ever met. He was always with there. Always been there. Those people have been biting, chomping at the bit, waiting and, for their savior. And then and Trump, Trump came, he said, and he said, they, he was like, you, you, and he goes, and now that you, he goes, you know, you Republicans, like quotation marks, you know, are like, oh my God, oh my God, what happened to my party? He goes, he was always there. You just, you, you used them for their votes. You baited them on. You, you didn't care. You thought that they were, they were the poor. Do you know what I'm saying? Who are these people? And you know, exactly. And so, you know, I think about, about that when we talk about all of, like I, when I go back to issues like with women's rights and like equal pay it's like you've always known that people of color have gotten paid less and if you want like you know like you've always known we've we've known about the policing like we've known about these things like isn't something that just is exactly it. this is my thing about and so when we say what do we do like you create the dirt and then you don't want to clean it up because yeah. you know it's there it's there you you create these systems. You write them down on paper. You go. You sit in think tanks to come up with ideas of how to be more oppressive. Yeah. So so for people to say they don't get it. So yeah. So after so after Mitt Romney lost the election, they did the autopsy of the Republican Party, and they were like, you if you you know, they're like if you they were like if you cannot expand the base, right? 
you're never going to win the presidency. So instead of expanding, they were like, no, we're just going to make it much more conservative and we're going to do voter suppression and we're going to make sure that these people don't vote. And we're going to make sure that, and it's been like that for so long. All of these things, they are voter suppression. It's always been around. The Nazis, people calling the police on people who are selling water or going to the pool. Exactly. Why do these people get to exist? (laughs) How come when white people call the police on us, we can't sue them? My thing is this, that's defamation of character. Mm -hmm. It's false, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And they should be fined. They sh- if they were fined, they wouldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But they're not. There are no measures put in place mm-hmm. to keep these kinds of things from happening because this government wants them to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Because if they keep happening, it fuels their party. If if the government said, no, we need to stop this. Racism is wrong. Come on, guys. Like mm-hmm. It's been too long. You know, first of all, a lot of people wouldn't know how to handle that. And I don't know. It just, it would stop. I just, it's, 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 it's really, it's really interesting at the state of, I, I, I'm very happy to to do, I'm very lucky to have, how can I say, I'm not lucky. I, 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 I do feel lucky, but I deserve to have the, the, this, this platform that Mm -hmm. I have in the crafting community. Mm -hmm. Right. There were younger, like even generational issues like social media and like whatnot. There were younger um, people who made the situation in the crafting community go viral and okay. elevated it. Because and I was like, it, they really did what very few of us prior to last year were trying to do. When 2015. Is, we, black women have always been crafty. And it's not about we didn't call it crafts. It was you. It was necessity exactly. And for I, us to make quilts. It was necessity for us to knit. Our we own were sweat. as the slaves were necessity. making the shawls. The slaves were doing. And, yeah. and I, I wrote that. I wrote a chapter in a book. Planting the cotton, picking the cotton, carding the cotton. Exactly. I wrote a chapter in a book on craftivism. It was reshaping the narrative of craftivism from the American Revolution to the Pussyette Movement. And in this book, and black I, women have always been feminists. Let's exactly. Because we have but always we worked. Exactly. But for these women to say, I'm burning my bra and I want to get a job. <laughs> Hello. We have always worked. Okay. <laughs> so we have, we are the original feminists. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I said to someone, I was like, you know, like this chapter in this book, I said, we, I, it's called reshaping the narrative of people of color in the crafting community mm-hmm. and talking about like people of color have been, been crafting and making out of necessity not out of leisure we have been i said where do you think your resources come from like are my ancestors like everything like it's not something that like you know we we have the right to be in the space when i think about the rebel with the cause 2020 and i'm raising funds and people are like it's constantly raising money to go i said i have the right to raise this money and to have this conversation and to travel the because the american heart society has raises money all the time exactly the jimmy fund raises money all the exactly. time exactly and i said so you should too and i said this is a very important issue for me for being in this space i have a business in this space i want to be successful in this space and i said i have a right to be here I, and i said have i have my receipts yeah and i was like my <laughs> I said, my receipts are my ancestors i was mm-hmm. like you know and and, and when we thrive mm-hmm. not just survive mm-hmm. i have this um meditation app on my phone and it's mm-hmm. really saving my life which what is it because i might i need called, it um liberates <laughs> I think okay. liberates and it's a, it's run by people of color and it's all people of color yogis uh-huh. giving the talks 
And and um, one of the people who gives a talk is Lama Rod Owens. I think that's his name. Uh-huh. And he works at Harvard. Oh, I, fi- I probably and, met him. Um, he one of the things one of the talks he gave he gives on that app is from surviving to thriving. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he's like, you know, surviving is elementary school. He said, I'm thriving. I'm in the graduate school level. And mm. he said, when we thrive, we are doing the work of our ancestors. Mm-hmm. They survived it. They wanted us to thrive. Mm. When they knew, if they knew they weren't going to get out of that situation, or maybe, you know, I'm going to die in this situation. I'm never going to be mm-hmm. emancipated. They had dreams and aspirations. They loved us here. Mm-hmm. And that is deep conjure and deep magic. Mm-hmm. And not just magic, like something that's just like root. I mean, like deepness. Like that's the deepest love. Whitney Houston said it: "To love yourself is the greatest love of all." Mm-hmm. And when they rip everything from you, all you got is your heart and your love. You're going to use that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is what keeps us going. That is what kept us going. Yeah. And that's what keeps us going here. Like our parents who love us, our mentors who love us, that keep saying, "Keep going, Diane. Keep yeah. going. Your yeah. project is worthy. Your ideas are worthy. Yeah. Keep going." And and that's you know that's I keep doing. People are like what? And people are like you're not going to die yarn anymore. So I'm dying yarn in these clubs. I said, but I'm just not selling it online. You know, individual skeins. I'm doing it at shows. So I'm talking to people about my projects and my work. And you're elevating your platform. Yeah. And I said, I have, and, and I keep saying to myself, I have a right to be in this space. And I have my receipts for my ancestors. Like, you, you know, and, and people need to understand that. We that. have a right to be in the room. We have a right to be present. And then when we, when I, when I think about that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, and as as people of color, I said we need to work together. I mean, it's like we—it's not a competition. Like you know, your business, like that—that that harkens back to, to the enslavement. Yeah, yes, like it, it, it you that know, mentality of us feeling like. Well, and it's also a capitalistic. Okay, so yes, it's also, money. It's also we have a lot to unlearn mm-hmm. as a as a people, as a nation. Mm-hmm. Okay, because our system isn't going to be different. Mm-hmm. Our political system, none of it, um, until we um, can be less capitalistic mm-hmm. or differently so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because I have a business, I want to make money. Yes. Okay. And it, and that's our right to do that, and it's all right to do that. But it's the way you do it. It's yes. the way you do it. Yeah. You don't have to. You don't have to um, annihilate someone else. You don't have to have a, uh, what is it? You know, like if you have a business, I have a business, I'm a hostile takeover. Or I'm going to do, exactly, I'm going right. to show up at all your events, I'm going to get all your information, and then I'm going to talk to somebody and go, we're going to take that. Exactly. We're take that. Because it was easy, it would be easier for me to take it than for me to use my own imagination, yeah. my own willpower, my yeah. own grit. Like I want to take something from you that you put your blood, sweat, and tears into. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. And then, but, and we need, we had a lot of work to do. But, but, and at the same time, I, I work alone a lot of the time outside of my project. This is why my project is really good for me because I would just work alone because I have been affected by these things. I have been in groups here in, you know, black artist groups. Mm-hmm. And I always end up leaving them because it's too much in house fighting, too much, yeah. you know, too much stuff. You know, we come with our stuff. Because we come with our stuff, okay? Um, 
So I work alone a lot, but my project is a community-based project, and it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me open. It keeps my heart open mm -hmm. because I'm working with people from the community, which means I'm going to be working, you know, to work with Leslie. I work with, with Jamal. I work with these people, and, you know, people bring their stuff, and it's challenging, and it's not impossible. It's challenging in some of the best ways because a lot of times I thought my project, you know, for other people, mm -hmm. I'm doing this, you know, for other people's mm -hmm. hearts, for other people, you know, they need to know this stuff. I learn a lot mm -hmm. from the community people. I agree. I learn a lot. And that's why I want to get out and talk with people in the community. People like, you go on social media, you got your phone in front of your face typing, and you don't really, like... You're losing the connection. And this is the thing, the art of communication, the art of eye contact, yes. the art of intimacy is being yeah. lost. And that is what got us over a lot of times yeah. during enslavement, during Jim Crow, that intimacy of community. Yeah. My mom... I can't believe my mom said this to me, you know, but she said it to me recently within the last five years. She said, she said, you know, integration was the worst thing that ever happened to black people. Mm. And I was like, mom, what are you talking about? We've come so far. She said, we had our own everything. We didn't have to rely on the outside community. We had our own doctors. We had our own lawyers. We had our own hospitals. We had our own stuff and we took care of each other. She said, as soon as we started to try to be like white people, as soon as we tried to sit at their table, we forgot about our table. Mm. We just left it in the dust. Mm. She said between that and, you know, and she said, and this is the thing I never understood is like, you know, people say we don't want you. The white people say we don't want you. Get out. You know, we don't want no ends here. This, that, and the third. Blah, blah, blah. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And when you do that and you create Black Wall Street, and you create Rosewood, and you create all these mm -hmm. towns, what do the white people do? They come and burn you down. Yep. You don't need them anymore. You don't. You didn't want us to want you. So now when we're out here doing our stuff, and we're proud, and we're you, and our backs are straight and not bent mm -hmm. over, you can't stand to see that. You can't stand it because you think mm -hmm. that we should be subordinate to you. And uh, um, talk about education. I want to talk about the, your book, Willie May, and I want to talk about education. And then I want to... Um, talk a little bit about what I was talking about in the car with like uh, there's a conversation between like fat positive or fat phobia and body positive language word that now I do think is generational mm -hmm. in a way like in and in, in, in how people view the, themselves and how social media if you say that wrong word not just in, in body size but you say the wrong word or word in terminology like people can really go at you and mm -hmm. and you know how do you you know cancel culture and stuff like that. So like I, you know, it's 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 a real thing of like, you know, do we allow people to make a mistake and then have how much time do people get to kind of like learn and make changes? And does that change happen through social media or does it happen outside of it? But I want to talk about um the I want to talk about education because we were just talking about that for a second. You know, I went to college. I went to grad school, mm -hmm. and um, you when we are on social media and you have a business there's an expectation for people not to separate the business from your personal life. And I like to, to separate the two because it's a balance. Mm -hmm. Like I allow people to come in and I say things about my personal background mm -hmm. that relate that had been, is, that has had an impact on my business. Mm -hmm. But I don't like to show people what like my bedroom or <laughs> like my 
kitchen or my bathroom. I don't do selfies often. And people are like, dang, people want to see your face a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, I actually agree with that. Like taking a selfie, like after this is over, take a selfie with you and post mm-hmm. it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, one of the things where we talk about like the crab barrel syndrome or like just even with white people thinking about college and education, one thing that I had to face was that there's an assumption that I got into college because of affirmative action and not because I was smart. Or two, in the black community, there's this tendency to think that the way that I speak or the way I talk or where I grew up, that I didn't have a hard time growing up and being black, right? So I tell people, I was affected by the drugs of the 80s and 90s. My mom's parents raised me, right? I was born in the projects of Chicago, lived there for two years. I was in a really horrible fire. My mom was on the streets, left us alone in the house. Fire started. The court took us away, right? And uh, my grandparents took my three older brothers and I in. I have four younger siblings, so any kids after the fire, my mom got to keep. That's a whole other story, right? And I said, I was put in a situation of living in a very wealthy community in the sub in the suburbs of Chicago, but on like twice a month, I had to go visit my mom in the projects and it messed with my psyche. And I said the trauma related to that, not understanding why I was young living with my grandparents and where was my dad? Where's my mom? I saw the whiteness of being like one of five black kids out of my elementary or middle school, having been told your hair is different. And so when I get older and I'm like, we moved to Georgia, I see more people of color. I go to college, you get into college, I work three jobs and, you know, I, I build these things. And I tell people, like, you know, getting into college is just half the battle. It's getting that degree. Same issue. So I find that I have had a problem. And, 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 and it's not like a huge problem, but I have a problem where I'm educated. I'm smart. I'm proud of that. I've worked my ass off to get that degree. People think I worked three jobs, double majored, finished in three and a half years, took student loans to get the degree. And there aren't the, the percentage of black people graduating is really low it's, it's comparative to let let um i think to latinos to asians to whites right mm-hmm. and so when people of color particularly blacks uh say that, you know education is not for everyone college is not for everyone i don't know any other race that says that we we kind of like yeah and not every people don't need to go to four-year college you know but having a trade or you, you work but when you do have that college degree there's an assumption that um people don't realize how hard it was to get it like this we were still dealing with the same shit in college and in ways that you never you know uh, understand so when we bring stuff to the table and say here like bring our knowledge to the table to help improve everyone like not only our personal lives but the lives of our own people and people say well you know not everyone has a college degree or you you're not from here so you can't help us in our situation that happened to me at the boston foundation when i was working on the street safe initiative they're like you're not from boston and you're, you're not from dorchester roxbury or whatever so how would you know and i'm thinking to myself well Other black uh, people said this too? yeah and i'm thinking to myself you know we we're in it's it's uh, yes it's all trauma and it goes back to, to, to slavery but I just you know it's like do you it I'm telling people actually who who will be listening to this now understand a little bit personal of my background I don't share that on on social media I don't I don't delve into that because I want people to like it's I'm okay I, I don't I guess I'm saying like I don't it's not that I don't want to tell people it's just that like I'm so like focused on like the work. 
doing work. And is it, I mean, do you not tell people also because you don't want them to judge you by it? Well, yes. I think that I don't like telling like white people that because I don't want to have a pity party. Like the, like the white man's burden or the white woman's mm-hmm. burden. I'm like, look, just because I didn't grow up in a traditional mom dad household doesn't mean that i'm not smarter like smarter than you you. then do you feel like with the black people you have to explain that you came from the product i the way way i speak speak. and then the where i'm from (laughs) but i said i grew up working poor in a very wealthy community and they're like but you didn't grow up in the projects i was like tried tried as a kid for years going back and forth between the two on weekends and dealing with all being black in a very white environment and go into the projects being like, what the hell is this? I just feel like all you know? of that harkens back to enslavement and how we were separated, the house Negroes, the field Negroes, you know, the assumptions. And I'm not going to say mm-hmm. I haven't had those assumptions mm-hmm. about black people who've been in mm-hmm. academia, higher education yeah. than I. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went to college. I did not go to graduate school. Um, but one of the things, the stigmas that I... One of the things that I've had to unlearn mm-hmm. was, is um, all black people who are in academia are not like the the, the stereotypical house Negro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're kind. You we're kind. People sort of put you in that. Exactly. In that exactly. Category. Like, oh, look at the way you speak. Oh, you act more like white people. Um, if we all had access to that kind of education, there wouldn't be those kind of separations. We yes. don't have access to the, the same kind of education because of the system. Because it's easier to keep us, you know, I mean, people make money off of us being poor. People yeah. make money off of us not having good schools. People, they make money by saving the money. They make money because they keep the money. They don't put the money into the school. So where's that other money going? Yeah. Yeah. To them. Yeah. You know, they would rather industrialize prisons than, you know, than industrialized schools. I mean, if you have to use that term. Um, You know, why should kids have to be bused at all? Yeah. This is how I learned about Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I learned about Massachusetts... From being a child in Washington D.C., watching the news about busing. Mm. That's how I. That was my first introduction to New England <laughs> and to Boston. Is what I saw on the news. And then when I moved here in the '80s, I became friends with people who were actually on those buses, mm. who talked to me about the horror. And if that's not post-traumatic stress, I don't know what is. To be a child on a bus where people are pushing the bus and yelling and screaming. I mean, you know, that's Ruby Bridges stuff. Yeah. In this and and, and, and northern I, state Boston liberal, right? I mean, Same. and that's the other thing. People want to think there was no there was no slavery here. Like that's how people see. <clears> New England is very much had slavery. The last slave, the last standing slave dwelling in New England is in mm. Medford at yeah. the Royal House and Slave Quarters, right there by mm-hmm. Tufts University. Isaac Royal owned the Ten Hills. Tufts University is built on part of that land. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people don't talk to me about there was no slavery here. It and was. people don't realize that. I said, what do you think the ports were for? I said, they, 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 they were hubs to transport them to the south. The ports were the freeway. The port the, it was the, the gateway the, to... The to, ports to, is 93 south. Okay? Yes, yes. 93 south, 93 north. And you know, when people talk about the tall ships, it just really pisses me off. Oh my God, let's go see the tall ships. I'm like, that's a slavery vessel. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, and and people say, well, this this particular boat wasn't used for that. Let me tell you something. Any boat was used for it if they needed it at the time. Exactly. Whether it was a, sh- a marine merchant ship, uh, your grandfather's little schooner, whatever. If somebody said, take these black people, then they didn't say black people. Yeah. Take these niggas over there and sell them. Yeah. Because you're going to get part of the profit. They'd be like, chain them up. Yeah. Let's go. The like the, the bucks, wenches, and pickaninnies. That's what they called us. And even more I niggas. Up. Yeah. People got let me change it. White people got me messed up. Yeah. White people got me messed up. Yeah, okay, Amanda. I'm sorry. I'm just I, I yeah. feel you so hard. Right? Um, and, so and, but it's but and, it and is. Not all white people got me messed up. Not all. Like But this is you, the I got some friends who are really working hard. They are. Really working hard. And even my friend that I was mad at, like I'm not still mad at her because I love her and I know that she means well but my thing is like I said I can't keep teaching you like you Mm -hmm. need to go to seminars you need to get books you need to do whatever but don't use me as a sounding board it's wearing me out white friends Mm -hmm. white people who are allies you know like talk amongst yourselves I said to someone I said I don't and and I'll say it flat if everyone's listening anyone listening to this I can't educate I can't talk white people need to talk to white people People of color have been talking to you. Like, I can't I can't tell your cousin why you shouldn't vote for Trump. You need to have that conversation. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, I just like, I'm tired. We're, we're all tired. The thing is this. If you don't know why you shouldn't vote for Trump, you shouldn't be. Don't talk to me at all. Yeah. Because my thing was this. When he was running for election, just look at how he treated the people of color that would go to his rally. Some people were there for him, mm-hmm. and they didn't realize it, and they beat them up and threw them out until they realized, mm-hmm. look, I'm here for Trump. Like, first of all, why are you there for Trump? I know. It is it's you crazy. You know, like, like, the, like the, you know, that's a whole other. That's, that's, that, what that is, is self-hate, and I don't even want to say self-hate. It's self-pain. Like, the pain is so deep. You yeah. can't even love yourself enough to, to, to love you. If you can't love yourself, of course you're not going to love your own people. Of course you're not going to love what's not confederate. I know. Lace. I just can't. You know, just... But there are many people, you know, and not just African Americans. There's a lot of Latinos who voted for Trump. Yeah. Yes. Like, and you know, that whole colorism, that whole thing. Yeah. Like the the lateral oppression. Like I I have no other words for it except that it's self-hate. Like you know all these people running around saying that they're white when they're not. Mhm. You know and and it's just work of colonialism. Yeah. Because the worst thing you could be is black or brown. So if you if you have an opportunity not to do that, you're going to do it because there's so much pain on the other side of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so much pain. And that's why, you know, that's why black people pass, the, the black people who could pass for white did. Because, mm-hmm. and at first I had a lot of, you know, discontent for these people. Mm-hmm. And then I heard this one woman who was very, very light skinned, whose parents passed. She said, you know, we, my parents were just trying to survive. And then I was thinking, that's a cop-out. Like, W.E. Du Bois could have passed, and he didn't. There were plenty of black people who could pass who didn't. So for me, that's kind of... I, I can hear that, and at the same time, it's kind of lame. Okay? Yeah. Because you just didn't want to struggle. You, My thing is, you couldn't cut it. Okay? Yeah. My thing... Okay, and if I want to get real terrible, I'd be like, you were weak. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, 
that's a serious judgment. Okay, so let me try yeah. to erase. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't know what I would do if I could pass. Because I know what it's like to feel all this pain and all this, you know. Right. Like, you just don't want to be burdened with it. And that's why white people like white supremacy. Because they don't want to be burdened. We just need to be honest with it. People need to be honest with each other about that. Like, keep it real. But keep we it real. My thing is keep it real and change it. Yeah. if you're just going to keep it real, just so you can <laughs> keep it real, be like, yeah, that's why I want to stay white, because I don't want to be like you. Okay, fine. But if you don't want to be like me, then that means there's something wrong mm-hmm. with the system, because everyone is human. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like, yeah. there's something wrong. And we all know it. We, do. I, I, we overpassed this, and I, I, I want to talk... I want to talk about your book. Oh, okay. Before okay. we get into, because you know, I want to. I, I, t- what is your book? My book is called "The Slave Narrative of Willie May," and I just received another NIFA grant in the 2020 cohort. Oh wow! To um, take my book from the page and make it into create it into an experimental performance piece. I am very excited about this. I'm excited. Okay, now I'm going to use my... So, well, with the... I'm excited, and I am totally out of my wheelhouse. So, I'm But you, you got this. You, 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 you got oh this. God, you got you. this. What are you talking about? Because I'm like, help me, Jesus. You've got this. <laughs> they, they trust... We, you got this. Don't... You got this. Thank but do you... But the book, you're not selling the book anymore. Yes, yes or, or, do you, okay, and you okay. donated it to... I donated one book... Okay. ...to the museum... And I'm so happy that they took it because I'm from D.C. And mm-hmm. I haven't had, I haven't shown work in D.C. since. I love forever. D.C. I love D.C. Well, when I grew up there, it was Chocolate City. Now it's like, I don't know what it is. Um, it's not that necessarily. But there's more black mm-hmm. people there than here. So mm-hmm. whenever I go home, I still feel loved up by mm-hmm. the black people. Um, wait, what was, your, what was the original? My book. Just, are you you're still selling oh, it? Not, okay. I'm I'm an you know I'm an artist I know how to make products mm. I'm not very good at marketing I haven't been very good at marketing but I'm mm-hmm. about to be much better so I have the book is published at Red Sun Press Letta Neely is um, the editor of the book and I have boxes of books in my studio because we I need have, to get it on Amazon see and you know what can Diane help me okay so okay can you feel the love <laughs> Because I need help with that. Okay. Because people told me, girl, you should have just did it on Amazon. I don't know these things because I'm not very... I'm going to connect you with someone who sells... I'm going to connect you via Instagram with someone who actually sells... She sells these crafting journals, that uh, the images of people of color, look like us. And because there aren't any out there, that's the only one that I know out. And okay. she sells them on. She sells. She sells her books on Amazon. So I'm gonna connect. I'm gonna connect you with her. Thank you. Yay. And um, and she's from Georgia. Okay. Her name's Laverne. Laverne from Georgia. You go. We gonna talk, Laverne. So um, so so yeah, we're gonna get that. And I. Into the technological. <laughs> thank you. I want to thank all of my yeah. friends who know that I'm like. Listen, Ife, I, I, I'm not going to even ask what your age is, but I know, <laughs> but you, we, I know that we are like, at least one decade apart. I just turned 40. I will be 60 in April. You don't look anything like 60, but oh. we know that black don't crack. So that's the. <laughs> <laughs> it don't crack if you take care of it. If exactly. You, you, you drink your water now. I do drink water. Drink you need to do. Um, and, uh. So, you know, it's it, technology. It, every day it's changing, it seems like. So it's not like... I love you because someone else said that to me. It, like, oh it's God, just changing. Stop being so hard on yourself. 
every day is different. Because I am considered, uh, I'm, I consider myself to be part of the generation, Generation X. I'm, I'm 40. I'm on the, I'm on the tail end of it. Uh-huh. So they call, there's a small cohort of us. We're called the Exennials because oh. we have our foot, we graduated college and went through early 20s without Facebook and oh, we didn't have okay. iPhones. iPhones came out in our early, mid to early 20s. So oh, we, okay. so we had our, but the Oregon Trail, we're also known as the Oregon Trail generation because we were the first to have like the game Oregon Trail when we were kids. So we, we dabbled in the computer, okay. but it didn't control our lives. Wow. So technology for me, I'm like, it's easier to, like I can dip in and out. You know, it takes me a little bit to catch on to things, mm-hmm. but I can, so everyone's where they are. Technology, you, you'll be fine. Thank you. You'll be fine. I so I guess, um, you know, I, we're going to wrap it up a little bit, but I, I, I feel in this country that we still have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. And in this world, yes, this is the world. The issues that we are ha- like, I said to someone, the issues that are happening in America it's like a, it's a, I feel like it's like the second, it's like a second civil, civil war, second civil yeah. rights. It's, a, it's, I said every 50 to seven, every hundred years, whatever, we go through a cultural and like who we are as people. Like the United States, if you look at where the constitution is, it's very young compared to the rest of the world, right? Mm-hmm. But we still have a long way to go. And this is an era that, you know, we're like, I'm surprised we're going through this. But I said, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. And I said, we're going to go through another big phase because we're so, we're still, it's, we're it's, going to continue to go through this until we, racism is eradicated. And yeah. that's not going to happen in my lifetime. No, not mine either. Because people are gearing up. There are people who are going to Walmart now. There are white people going to Walmart buying out all the guns and, and ammo. Yeah. Okay. Because some people are preparing for a race war. They have said it. Yeah. Now, you try to go to Walmart and buy some guns. Every police officer will be, they want to see your ID. They want to see, they want to know if you're a Black Panther. They want to know. Mm-hmm. And see, here, we got, that's a clear breach of racism. That's, that's the, so clear. Mm-hmm. We should do, we could make a film of that. Let's go, me and you, to Walmart yes. and try to buy some guns. Yes. And then we could get two of our white friends. We won't tell them that, you know, go and we'll be there at the same time. Yeah. We'll act like we don't know them. And we'll see what happens when they try to buy guns and when you try to buy guns and when I try to buy guns. Yeah. To protect ourselves from the Nasnifa. mob <laughs> violence. Yeah. Which I think is coming. And well, but, but you know, but Europe is also going through a lot of things the too. World. The world is, you know, and I said globalism. People of color are done. People of color are tired of capitalism and westernized thoughts. Not just thought, westernized thoughts and westernized hands on everything. From the people to what they eat to the seeds that they grow, it's like the the Western world wants to control everything. Mm-hmm. And I said to someone, I said when when Trump won in twenty sixteen, I said, I knew, people of color knew how racist America was. You, I was like, I don't know where you guys have been. Mm-hmm. People were like, I said, I was cautiously optimistic that she would win, but I said I called it a night really early and and drank some Jamaican rum. To go to sleep. And I, people are like, what? I said, when she started losing Florida, they were like, but that was like at 7 o'clock. I was like, yeah. Let me tell you something. I was people like. People saying that, oh, this is a joke. He will never win. I, I was I was the exact opposite. I said, oh, no, this is not a joke. 
And you know why it's not a joke? Because these people have been chomping at the bit, waiting for somebody like him. Exactly. And I said to someone, I was like, I went to sleep. I was highly I was like, I slept. I wasn't upset until I saw how many white women voted for him. And I was done. And I said, I I don't, and I want to reiterate this to even white women in the crafting community or who are trying to, to, to make progress and you know change what or just in general like people of color are done everything like i said you cannot go from obama to this and just i said i'm done i'm done with i i don't i, I don't I know mean, i don't know when, when i say at, when, when i say i'm done I, and and smart i know i know i just said to someone I said, when i say i'm done yeah and when i say when i'm done i said i'm done with this bullshit i'm done with you can't t- like I am not making an excuse for my blackness, for my size, for anything who I who I am. I am who I am. When I say I want to sit here, I'm gonna sit there. When I say like you know, when you when I go do a show and I say you need to buy my yarn or you you should you you need to buy my yarn. You say that? No, but I would. You know, and people are like, I don't know. I'm like, I have a show next week and, and and. California, and I feel more confident selling my yarn. I'm not begging anyone to buy my yarn. I'm like, I am here. I've been here. I deserve the exact same type of marketing and branding opportunities that you gave this yarn company for free. Well, and you should be promoting my yarn. My thing is this. My work is incredible. Yes. Okay? The work I do is good. The colors are beautiful. You're going to want my... I don't have... I'm I'm the face that I'm the I'm the person who made it, but my work is gonna sell itself. That's you, how I feel gonna, with my product. So attracted to my work that you're going to buy it. And people and are like, "Well, that's cocky." So no, it's not cocky. I'm confident in what no, I do. Let me tell you something. If you were white, they would be like, "Girl, you're fierce." Oh, girl, you're so cocky. Only comes when black people have confidence. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And that's somebody who can't deal with mm-hmm. if you're black and you have confidence. Yeah. Because of course you you don't deserve you don't you're not supposed to be there. I have you're people not supposed to feel like that. I have people come in my booth who I have now work on my business full time and I've and it's a lot of work. I don't have a second income coming in. Oh, I, love I tell it. thank you and I tell people I said getting a studio space here in Boston is really expensive. So you know I'm looking I'm looking to move where it's like a single family home where mm-hmm. I can run it through, mm-hmm. not actually getting a, an apartment and then having an outside studio space because that's just expensive in Boston. I said no, if you live in different parts, exactly. See, and and, the, and I said other parts of the country where the cost of living is cheap, you could go get a building, whatever, and that's fine. But when you live in an expensive place, mm-hmm. you it's it's a whole different ballgame. I said your success isn't based upon if you can afford a studio. That's just extra over cost i said it's not based upon if you can you know take a second mortgage out it's that's just extra money that you got to pay back mm-hmm. i said how, you know how you the products that you have the work that you do and everything like that but i i just feel that when i used to when people come in the booth it's like yes i want you to buy my products but i'm not gonna beg you Right, no, no, no. and then people are like, "What?" Well, it's like if they, I want, I want to talk to you about my work that I do. Mm-hmm. I want you to appreciate it, mm-hmm. and I want you to tell other people mm-hmm. about it. And yes, I want you to buy it, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna beg you to buy it because I don't. I know that there's someone else. The next person is gonna buy it mm-hmm. because they appreciate the work that I do. Sure, yes. And um, and I think I've become more confident since Trump has been elected. And I said mm-hmm. the, the the, I said I, there's a people said like, is there anything good? about Trump being elected. I said, I think it really woke 
people of color up to be like, we are done. Like, we're done. And I said, you can't go from what how they treated Obama to how they treated Trump. I'm done. done. Dot, 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 and we need to come together. Exactly. We need to come we're together done with that. all of these isms that we have, the light skin, dark skin, the homophobia, the classism, all the things that the Western culture and capitalism throws at us, and we've learned to... You know, we've integrated into the ways that we think and breathe and everything mm-hmm. else. Like, we have, this is what I mean by we have our own healing to do. Yes. That's different than. And going to therapy people. is, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Within the not, communities I of colors, we think, I've been in therapy. therapy. I was like, going to, there's nothing wrong with therapy. Well, because, the thing about A therapy stigma. with black people mm-hmm. is like, if you went to therapy, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, if you went to therapy, you were crazy. Mm-hmm. And the thing about, and this harkens, not not that part, mm-hmm. but this part harkens back to slavery. Mm-hmm. What happens in your house, they, it was, it was secretive because you didn't want white people to get your information. None of it. Mm-hmm. None of it. Mm-hmm. Because if they got information that you had a fight in your house, they're going to come and take your kids. If they got information that you didn't eat, then they're going to say you're neglectful. If they got, you know, so what happened in your house stayed in your house. Mm-hmm. That's not the healthiest thing, but that was the only healthy thing we had mm-hmm. as a mechanism at the time. So we had to grow out and unlearn that it's okay to have a mental health day. We didn't have mental health day. What's that? Yeah. Per- personal time. What's that? We didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So we didn't know what it was like to have personal time for your mind, for your trauma. Nobody was talking about trauma. That was like stuff that happened to you and you keep going. Yeah. Okay. The- trauma oh no you better swallow that and keep going yeah i i, I said that uh as children guys when i really think about it you know my grandfather's passed away mm-hmm. my grandmother's is is, is is still alive That's but it, it, you know you know and and um she's almost 90 oh. dementia has definitely set in but she's just very grateful for her grandparents. I miss yeah I'm, I'm sorry it's it's definitely a joy and i and I'm I'm grateful that I got to know my great grandmother too. She was wow. here. She was 95, and my great great uncle Demon he passed away last year. Here, he was 100. So I, the Ivies, we live long. My great great grandfather lived to 105. So That's like, fantastic. you know, the so slave narrative of Willie May. My book is yeah. um based on. My great grandma. Oh, it's not her story. It's historical fiction. See, but that Willie May was my great grandma. Oh, wow. see, we there's so much more we could talk about. But um, I I uh. I, I really believe, I said, you know, growing up, I was taught, you know, I read, write, all that other stuff. And the power of reading was very liberating. It was very good. And as a slave, I said, that's why they didn't want slave people to read. If you you'd read, you could understand liberty you and your rights. You shouldn't be a slave. <laughs> and they had different books for slave, Bibles for slaves. They took out stuff which talked about freedom or anything like that. They knew what they were doing. But I said, my grandparents also taught me how to survive. And people, and I said to someone, I said, what? I said a lot of black parents teach their 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 black black and brown sons, you know, what to do if you're encountered by a police. The talk. talk, right? Or like I remember as as a kid, elementary school, you know, keep your hands out of your pockets when you go into the yeah. store. Things that you're not like all the things and people are like, "What?" I said, "I know white people didn't have to do that. People of color, we had to t- learn to survive and we were trained to behave around white people." And if that comes if you out if of you slave code. yes okay. right and code this is switching. I was born in 1979 so you, this stuff was going on in the 80s and even mm-hmm. even still to now mm-hmm. and but well not all completely not everyone 
got that, I would say, education, slave, edu- slave, I don't know what you would call it, slave education, but it was, I mean, it is what it is, right? And so I think about even, like, um, you know, how you behave, how I behave around white people, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. in, in, in elementary school, middle mm-hmm. school, and high school, college, it wasn't until, like, 10 years ago, I was like, uh-uh, I'm not, I don't need a, no. <laughs> Like, um, yeah, but that's what you had to do to survive. We get to that's survive. Your great grandmother, your great great grandmother. It. We were we, trained as, and and it's. We are uh, trained. And and yeah. and that we is, and we and and I hope that white people who are listening to this, um, understand that privilege that they have that they Most as their their childhood they just went and wound it. We were trained very young very young and and even with when we talk about gender and whatnot like being in the kitchen like my grandmother she even still today when she has a room she talks about i'm i'm so proud of you mm-hmm. for doing the things that you're doing mm-hmm. and i understand where she's coming from but i didn't understand it in high school when i was in the kitchen helping her cook clean chitlins and and you know she she was the first person in her family to go to college to college right she had an associate's degree okay. bookkeeping at sarah lee mm-hmm. only like black accountant in the whole department mm-hmm should have probably risen further but she wasn't going to you know but she was proud of what i what what her children and grandchildren were achieving and i just think about like god like not only did she have to deal with the racism and but also being a a a, a wife in a very um in a certain era in an era and still having to deal with the sexism and mm-hmm. women's place and, mm-hmm. and i was That's like black women are just exactly exactly and you know we're talking about body image right now right you know like we were made fun of for having big butts and our features and now everyone wants to get butt implants we talk about fat positive we talk about all this like all this image women images of women you know black women women of color have really we've i felt like we've always embraced who we were as our bodies even if white society with images have tried to tear it down I mean, I felt like the the body hatred that I learned, I, I learned from my neighborhood. But yes. I learned from the people in my house, you know. Well, well they know wanted that. us to assimilate into what white image. Well, I feel like, I feel, for me, everything harkens back to enslavement. Yeah. I feel like, you know, people wanted black women to cover up their, they didn't want to talk about the big butt mm-hmm. because the big butt was visible. Mm-hmm. If it was visible, Massa wanted it. This is why white women started wearing bustles mm. and dresses because they didn't have that butt. We didn't need that. Mm-hmm. Our, our, the dress stood out by itself like that. Mm-hmm. We were, we are always hypersexualized. That's why some black women don't want to breastfeed mm-hmm. because a white woman could take her breasts out and, oh, that's natural. That's it. A black woman takes her breasts out and, you know, it's a whole different reaction and response mm-hmm. because pe- because people's minds are still thinking about us whether they're conscious of it or not, as a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. As something other than them. If they don't want to get that down and dirty with it and call us a thing, they we're othered. Yes, we are. All the time. And so I just I just I, I just have this like it's just a lot of things that have come back. Like or your hair braiding and, and, and you know, like stealing people's away. culture. The thing is, it never went away. It's like, just that we're just not I just feel like we're not taking the shit anymore. I just, we're just well, like, no. Know, we're not, but at the same time, as we're not taking it, then you have these, these, and even Boston has one, a referendum 
for us to be able to wear our hair natural. I know. I'm, I'm saying. This is the hair I was born with. Stop. This is everything harkens back. I will keep saying it yeah. because it does. Yeah. But white people are still trying to control the black body. You can't deal with the way my hair is. because You want me to straighten my hair so that you are comfortable with it. Yeah. You want me to not braid my hair. You want me, yeah, so that you are comfortable with my hair. I don't care if you are not comfortable with my hair. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with yours. Are you changing it mm. because I don't like it? No, but I got to have a law. Mm-hmm. There, there, there are these Catholic schools in New York. There's a law that says that you can't, just, you, can, you know, mm-hmm. kids can wear their hair natural, which is, you know. Um, or the kid kids, who couldn't graduate because of his dreads. And, this, oh, and the ridiculous. schools in New York, these Catholic schools in New York. My thing is this. Why are you still sending your kids to that school? Okay, so my thing is, it's not about the white people anymore. Why are you still mm-hmm. sending your child to that school? Because you think that school is better. Because it's white. Mm-hmm. You, okay, that's yeah. why you're sending them. Or you're sending them for religious reasons. Well, the, 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 who, who runs the Catholic Church? Not black people. Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of damage has the Catholic Church done? Yeah. They had their hands all up in slavery. So... Mm. I mean, I feel like why are these parents... Com- There's another side of me that feels like, why are you complaining about the school? Take your kid out of the school. Mm-hmm. Start your own school. That's what white people do when they don't like stuff. They homeschool. Okay, maybe we don't have time for that because, you know, we mm-hmm. got to work. But start your own school. Mm-hmm. You know, don't... Why traumatize your kids? Okay, let's uh. go there. Why traumatize your kids? Yes. Because you're trying to make a point. And you're trying to make the point is a good point. My kid deserves to go to any school they want. Yes. Mm-hmm. But not at the expense of your child's mental health. Not at the expense of your child having trauma later down the road in their life. Trying to figure out, well, why did my parents send me to this school? Why did they, da, da, da. You know, like, don't do that for your kids. Mm-hmm. Send That's them unreal. somewhere where people will teach them to continue to love themselves. Those children are going to think, what's wrong with my hair? And you're giving them mixed messages. You're sending them to school with with natural hair, and then you're forcing them to mm-hmm. go to a place where they don't want them. Yeah, and the Sahara, the, you know, the, the, we talk about black women's hair is the glory. You know, it's it's. I remember being in elementary school. Someone, t- black white girl, touched my hair, and it was pressed straight. Mm-hmm. She goes, "Your hair feels weird." I'm like, "What the what the fuck does that mean?" Mm-hmm. You know, I went home, told my grandmother, and she's like, "She's like, this is white people talking. They don't know. There's nothing wrong with your hair." There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-mm. It's great. It's beautiful. Love it's it. It's hard when your peers are you're saying like, these things to you. Your you're like, what is going on? How beautiful you are all day long. And then mm-hmm. there's other people who tell you this other stuff. And when I saw the documentary that Trish Tucker did years ago on good hair, oh. that was the year that before I saw it, I had just went natural and I never mm-hmm. went back. Mm-hmm. And I always thought when I was, you know, in grad school looking at the, my job interview, I was like, I need to find a place to make sure that they need to understand that, like, this is my hair. I'm not going to change it. People mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, like... Are you going to press your hair? I was like, no, I'm done with that. Like, I'm not putting any more chemicals in my hair to impress anyone. This is my hair. And when you go to the stores now, you don't, I don't see a lot of relaxers anymore. I see a lot of natural hair care products. Mm-hmm. Like black women must have said 10 or 15 years ago, F you. Mm-hmm. And said, we're not, we're not, mm-hmm. this, we're, we're taking, we're, we're we could, to, um, reclaiming our oil, hair. Yeah. Miss Jessie's. What did I yeah. put my hair this morning? Care, care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's something that has happened I mean, that just was like we said that 15, maybe was it 15? I don't know. 15 years ago, 
we just something has really changed over the years and the sad part the sad part was when I went natural and I went to my hairstylist I had to retrain myself how to take care of my natural hair Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I I actually cried about that after I um came back from and I've been going to her ever since because I at a young age started getting like kitty perms and Mm -hmm. I I had a jerry curl very Mm -hmm. proud of my jerry curl Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I you know went through junior high school high school college caulking our hair with chemicals to Similarly, yeah. Similarly, and I just, and I said, it's so sad that I don't know how to take care of my, my hair that is my natural hair that I was born with. And it was, and I love, I mean, I know how to take care of it now, although it's like a little bit. It's all kind of too, I'm not the best tech person, but there's all kind of YouTube, everything. Well, now it is, but you know, we didn't have YouTube when I, when I started going natural, it wasn't, you know, but yeah, now you can, but like people of color put, yeah. When I went to college in 1970, I cut my hair off because I was like, first of all, no one in Minneapolis is going to know how to deal with my hair, so mm-hmm. I'm just going to wear my hair short. I didn't. I didn't. I was in Georgia. And then when I moved to California, I locked my hair. Yeah. And that was in 1981. I had locks yeah. for like 22 years. 23 but that years. is what, like, you know, one of the things talk about this was going back to. Before they had lock shops and there was no such thing as a lock kitchen, okay? Everybody was doing. <laughs> okay, you're laughing. I don't know. Everybody was doing their own hair. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But now you can go to any shop and they'll do your locks, locks for you. you know. You know, so that's nice. A lot of times it's changed, but like I just think that a lot of, I know that I'm not the only one. I, I'm not saying that other people cry, but I know a lot of black women who would said, when they, people, when they, again, when we, we went and got our hair, like I remember two or three people like your hair, your, she goes, I hate when we say this, but she goes, your natural hair looks really, really good. Like, where do you go? What do you, what, mm-hmm. how'd you do it? Mm-hmm. Like, Educ- re-educating ourselves on our yeah. hair and I just was like what type of trauma bullshit that we've been going through Forever. like exactly Forever. your hair mm-hmm. just and so and I've never gone back and I was like you know I've had bad hair days I'm not having such a great hair day today but like I know that but but I'm just saying like you know white girls don't have good hair days every no, day no 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 okay. we'll just no we'll and just they put all kind of stuff in their hair like <laughs> uh gel Whatever, like, don't think they just roll. Out no, I know that. I'm just saying that, like, I, I yeah, yeah. But like, when I, when your hair, you, you know, your natural hair and whatever. Sure. But like, I'm, but I can do more with my natural hair than I've had when my hair was straightened. And yeah. so you know, and I've, I've learned, and it's and it's not a exactly, it is. exactly. It's and when, when I, when I made that decision, I felt very liberated. Well, I mean, if, if. I, you know, if there were such things as detanglers and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff when I was little, mm-hmm. there would probably would have been less trauma around the hair and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, so I, I see little girls, little black girls now, like, getting their hair done. Yeah. Like, it's not a thing. No. And you I know? think that's a part we don't, I, I wish that we, I mean, we, we do talk about it, but it, it's just kind of like, it just happened. And now you, if you walk into CVS or anything, you see a lot of natural hair care products. You don't mm-hmm. see, those relaxer people must be like, well, what am I going to do with business? Like they switched no, over they, to natural. No, I was going to say, they just, they just uh, switched the chemicals up. Cause let me tell you, uh. Miss Jessie's curly, whatever. When they went to Target, that's when um, I go to Simply Aaron's in Cambridge. She stopped using, she used to carry them before they went to, Carrie who? Miss Jessie's. Oh, before they went what? They, when they started selling in Target. Why? 
because she said once they start, once you go that big, yeah, they the, redo the, the, the chemistry of the thing. What about Carol's Daughters? Carol's Daughters know. is now in Target. And the quality of that product is nothing mm. like it was before they started. I don't use mm-hmm. it anymore. Oh, wow. I used to use the Healthy Hair Butter mm-hmm. and something else. But it, I can't. you can't get the Healthy Hair Butter at Target. You can only get the Healthy Hair Butter online. Mm, interesting. I, I mean, maybe somebody at Carol's Daughters can, you know, yeah. call in or whatever and let me know. But mm-hmm. no. So it's, yeah, it's just very interesting. Yeah, go big. They, they change because yeah. you sell it to a bigger company. Oh. So, but you are actually the first... Uh, podcast session. I've like sat down with someone in a studio oh, I'm and so had this. I want it. I want it. Yeah. You know, I did my kickoff tour and then I was like, you know, before I go on the tour, I said, I'm going to talk with people that I feel are very important that people need to hear and listen. And you were, I've always been the first one. And I said, people oh, need to listen to what Ife has to say. And, and because I agree with you that a lot of the issues and the trauma and the things that we have to deal with in the communities of color and like just how our society is and the things that we're going through stem from slavery. And if we cannot face the realities of the trauma, the hurt, the pain, all the other stuff that happened in slavery, we cannot move forward as a country. I I just want to close out and just say like, do you have any words, anything last you want to say to to, to, to the audience and people out there about your work, what you do, how do oh, moving okay. forward, how do we move forward? Well, how do we? About my work, I have an exhibition coming up at Andover Academy in April. Mm-hmm. The reception will be Saturday, April 11th from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. So please come. That that uh, show will ha- is interdisciplinary as well. I will mm-hmm. have tapestries, I'll have drawings. Mm-hmm. Some projections from the day of the ring shout, mm-hmm. some dolls that I made, and just yeah, cool gourds. Mm-hmm. Like just, just come to the exhibition. That would be nice. I would love to see everyone. Um, words of wisdom. We have to just continue to love ourselves. We mm-hmm. have to continue to love ourselves. We need to breathe deeply. We need to drink water. Mm-hmm. We need to talk to each other. We need to tell each other that we love each other. We need to make peace with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to, you know, straightening out the system because it's hard to be peaceful in this system. That's why I have the meditation app. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why I'm about to go to dance class because, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I have so much anxiety on a daily basis just to live. And I don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. I don't deserve that because of the legacy of my ancestors. Mm-hmm. I deserve the best. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I was watching a TED Talk once about medicine and, you know, how there's these different tiers of mm-hmm. medicine. And basically, it's about classism. And an older black lady got up and she said, I want what the white people are getting. And that's what I want. Mm-hmm. Okay? I just want equality. I want it across the board. So, until that happens, I'm going to keep taking care of myself. Those those are words of wisdom I have. We need to self-love. Mm-hmm. However that works for you, however you need to get it, however you need to share it, mm-hmm. because that's 
how we're going to change things. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening in. And um, I will be posting on social media the next podcast that I do. Uh, the Rebel with a Cause 2020 uh, tour will begin in May, which I'm very excited about. And our website will be up soon. But thank you for tuning in. And keep on crafting and keep on keeping on. Thank you. Thank you.